0: Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And here we see Paul was preparing himself to pray for the church. But he goes into this digression. He doesn't actually begin to pray until verse 14, which eventually we will get there. But before we get there, Paul's side note is very noteworthy. Two weeks ago, he shared with us how he is enduring prison by focusing on others instead of himself, self-forgetfulness. Last week, Pastor Chris spoke about the importance of the word being the revelation of his will that comforts us in order that we do not lose heart. We are to cling to the word of God. And this week, we'll see how the call of God helped Paul not to lose heart in prison. You see, Paul had a really firm grasp on the call in his life. It allowed him to endure hardship. He had a great passion for the call that Christ had given him. What is the call? When I say the call, do we all have an understanding of what that is? Philippians 3.14 might help us a little bit. Paul here, we see again his passion for this call. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We're all called. We're called out of the rat race into this race in which Christ has set before us, good works that we should walk in them, and there is a call upon us all. The call of God is simply the divine invitation to embrace salvation of God and to share that salvation. We've been called into the story of God, and what God is doing and what he has begun from the very beginning, we have the privilege to embrace and receive this divine, eternal call. And that's what we see here in verse six. We see Paul's passion for this call. So I'm gonna begin by reading verse six in Ephesians chapter three. And Paul says this, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he generously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about this endless treasures available to them in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we would ask that you would align our heart, mind, and soul to receive all that you have for us in regards to the call upon us given by you. We ask that you would allow your word to come alive, and that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. We submit to you, we need you, we're desperate for our Heavenly Father to continue to give orders in what you've called us into. So we ask this in your precious name, and all God's children said. Amen. Church, all God's children said. Amen. 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 Paul is obviously in awe and excited about the call that he has been given to the Gentiles. Because, listen, at this point in Ephesians, he mentions it about eight times. This mystery. Of the Gentiles and the Jews sharing in the riches in the inheritance of Christ Jesus. He's obviously very excited about it. And this was Paul's specific call in his life. Verse 6. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of Blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. This is the specific call on Paul's life. To make the gospel available to the Gentiles. And what tripped Paul out so much was that he was a Jew. And so he could see by his background, it made sense that it would qualify him to preach the gospel to Jews. And yet, he was overwhelmed by the continual opportunities he had and the mysteries that were revealed to him that the Gentiles were to share in this inheritance. They're to share the riches of God's children, to receive the promise of Jesus Christ uniting the Jews and the Gentiles. It was almost as if he was obsessed with it because he brings it up so much just in the book of Ephesians. But you look at the other epistles, he does the same. Because this was the specific call on Paul's life. To enjoy the unity of the Gentiles and the Jews in Christ. But understand that it's collaborated with the general call that we all have, and that is to preach the gospel to all, whether Jew, Gentile, black or white, young or old. See, for Paul, it might have made sense that he would be preaching to the Jews, yet God had a specific call on his life to the Gentiles. I can identify with Paul in this regard. I remember when God called me into the ministry. And it was specifically, um, I don't know, I think it was in September, like 17 years ago. It was right down the street at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. And I was leading a Bible study at UCSB and uh, Pastor Ricky Ryan called me into his office and, and basically offered me a job as an intern to be the youth pastor for their high school ministry. Now me, it didn't make sense at all, because I don't know if you know, I'm Mexican, I'm big, and I'm not at all uh, a surfer, and that was kind of the church that had a surfer vibe. All the kids in the youth group were kind of blonde and blue-eyed, surfing-type kids. So as I was praying, I was like, Lord, it just seems like it would make sense that if you've called me into the ministry, it'd be like to the ghetto. (laughs) But but God had another plan. He he had called me specifically to youth. And now, mind you, until this day, I trip out. uh, Ricky Ryan had great faith. Because at this point, I had never even been to a youth group. As a, as a high schooler, I was a heathen. And as a believer, I had never stepped foot. I didn't, I didn't know the, 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 the operations of a youth group. I, I, I didn't know anything. I'd never been to a camp, never been to a youth group. And he's calling me to lead one. It Didn't make sense, but it was an obvious call on my life, specifically for youth. I still have a passion for young people to submit their lives to Christ. I was able to witness Pastor Ryan, when he was a junior higher, submit himself to Christ. That was my specific call then. It has changed, yet there is a general call that we all have, and that is in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? And it's important for us to realize that we all have that call. Now, we all may have different specific calls in regards to where you are. Not all are called into the vocation of uh, full-time ministry. But we're all called to the vocation of the race of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we're still here. God is not done with us. Though often I ask God, are you done? I'm ready. <laughs> Though often, like Paul, to, to be with Christ would be so wonderful. That's why we're able to say to die is gain, but to live is Christ. He's not done with us, so we're to engage in this call that Christ has for us. Verse seven, we see this general call. Paul says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Note that Paul sees this call in his life as a privilege. In the Greek, that definition is a special right or advantage, something regarded as a rare opportunity and bringing particular pleasure or joy. It brings particular joy to us because that's what we were created to do, was to glorify him and in loving others. This call upon our life is a privilege. It's a privilege that wretched men and women are called to co-labor with Christ in his endeavor to love the world. To further the kingdom of God. We've been called into it, and Paul notes that this is a great honor and privilege. But it's important, again, to note that we are all called to this. Turn your Bibles real quick, if you would, to Second Corinthians. I don't have it up on the screen, because I, I would hope that you have your Bibles, because we are in church fun little encouragement to bring your bibles. No condemnation though. 2 no. <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new has begun. And all of us, this is a gift from God, whom brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he has gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What an honor and a privilege it is Christ would call us into this great story of what he is doing in humanity. And he's called us, those who believe in Christ, Jesus. You are a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun and you've been given this great anointing and this great call, this great privilege, this great honor, and that is to be an ambassador for Christ Jesus. He's wanting to implore through us to the world to reconcile what? Sinful humanity to a holy God. That was the purpose of Christ coming to earth as we read in this text. We have the great privilege to be ambassadors, representing him. That's the call on our life, is to represent Christ and be used as his hands and his feet. And Paul notes that this is a great privilege. It's a great honor. And it's not just for him, but it's a call that we all have on our lives. Jesus, in a similar fashion, in Matthew chapter 5, says to us, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Verse 16, he goes on to say, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We've been all called to be the light of the world. To be the salt of the earth. But what does it mean, friends? See, because I was really struggling with this because I was, I'm really, I was really excited, genuinely really excited for the Lord to motivate us, to remind us of this great call that we have, this great commission that is upon all of us. All who would call Christ Savior. You're a new creation. Created in Christ Jesus, for good works that he would set before us that we would walk in them. What does it mean tangibly? What does that mean for each of us as we sit here today? Because it's easy for me to say as I am employed to do the work of the ministry, to preach the gospel. But for all of us, what does it mean for the general call of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's for all of us, as we've just read in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, we're all called to be ambassadors. We see here in Matthew 5 that we're all called to be the light of the world. But what does that mean? How do we put our hands on that and, 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 and are able to employ that mentality tomorrow morning or this evening in your home? What does it mean to preach the gospel? Does that mean we grab sandwich boards and we walk it up and down State Street? Does it mean that when we go home, we get a bullhorn and we step on this little soapbox and we begin to preach the gospel? Is that what it means? No. Unless the Spirit of God tells you so. No. See, interesting here in verse 16, it says, let your good deeds shine before men. Let's look real quick at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. He says this. Listen carefully. Peter says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even as they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. See, as ambassadors, we're to properly represent Christ in all that we do. In the home, in the workplace, at rest and at play, we're to represent Christ Jesus. Jesus. And there's this idea that we're to be preaching the gospel by our works, by what we do, by how we live. See, in in, in my opinion, my humble opinion, to be on mission with Christ, the key ingredient, to being missional is being relational. See, in that statement alone, we're able to grab a hold of the handles of what it means to preach the gospel daily in all that we are, is simply by loving Christ and loving others. By loving others. And by loving others, that's what I mean by being relational. We build relationships. Because by building relationships, we continue to open up ourselves opportunities to share the love of Christ. It's not a sandwich board mentality. It's not a bullhorn mentality. Because that's not relational. You know, I I gotta say that in, 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 studying this text I was uh, many of you know and maybe you've seen me at the y, I was at the y and I was sitting in the jacuzzi and I always that's one of my rare spots that I'm able to be outside of the Christian bubble it's where I'm able to be uh, in the world so to speak because of what I do by nature and so I'm always trying to build relationships, be friendly, so that there's opportunities that if Christ would give them to me, if the Spirit would lead me, I'd be able to share the good news. Well, this particular, I think it was like a Wednesday or Tuesday, there was a gentleman in... Um, they were coming, and he and, and God bless his soul. I, mean, I love this guy, and I and I I had intentions to meet him, but as he was walking towards the jacuzzi, he sees this other guy. He's all, "Hey, Alan, how you doing?" And then Alan says, "It's not my name." He's all, oh, "Okay, well, I forget your name, but you know that reminds me of this friend that I had, and and I forgot his name, but I saw him in Georgia, and he's a pastor, and it was obvious that his conversation, he was trying to set up this, uh, this opportunity, he was trying to force, set up an opportunity to share the gospel. Now mind you, this Alan, who was not Alan, was not having it. <laughs> this guy was going a mile a minute, and it honestly, I was trying to understand the story, but it was so unbelievable. I was like, what is this guy saying? And as he's sitting in the the jacuzzi, he's looking at the so-called Alan, and Alan went like this. He turned his back on the guy, and the guy was still talking. Just still talking, just going at it. And I was like, okay. And and then finally, the Alan guy, non-Alan guy, just stands up. Because I see his face. He stands up, and he's just like this. Just disgusted. And he walked out. And he left. And so now I'm like, okay, Lord, should I talk to this guy? Because what I wanted to say to him is like, hey, maybe you would remember his name if you knew about him. But in the whole time that we were sitting here, you were talking. You showed no interest in this guy. You don't know anything about him. If you built some type of relationship, he might open up to you. He might actually talk to you. And I I was burning. I was like, okay, Lord, should I do this? Should I say? And right as I was about to say something, some other people came in, and he went at it again. Just went at it super loud. Just like, like, oh, okay. Uh, At this point, I left. I went into the steam room. And then I got out of the steam room. I'm going in the locker room. And as I'm going in the locker room, guess who's going at it? Just at 10 decibels, he's preaching the gospel to this guy who's just like this, just back turned to him, just, oh, I wish you would stop talking, and this guy, he's saying good things, and the propitiation, Christ died, and you're gonna know him. If you know him, you're gonna see him, and he was just going on and on and on, and I was like, wow. He cleared out the locker room. (laughs) Which, to, it was to my advantage. But not in a good way. See, friends. Jesus didn't say, let your light so shine that they may hear your good words. He says that they may see your good deeds. By building relationships where you are, your neighbors, your coworkers, By building relationships, you set up opportunities for the spirit to draw them. It's the spirit that draws people in, amen? Amen. It's the spirit who saves people. We don't save people. It's the spirit that draws men unto himself. And so by being relational, it it sets us up to be missional as Christ will bring, As, as, as he does the work. Then in building a relationship, you'll find either the person will ask, hey, can you tell me about this or that, or you'll just have a real strong feeling that I'm supposed to speak into this guy's life, and he's probably going to listen because I have some type of relationship with him. Building relationships is key to being mission. And as as we we get a grasp of that, as we understand that that key function of what we've that, that's a tangible tomorrow. That's tangibly something you can do. Is build a relationship with your coworker, build a relationship with your neighbor, and then kind of gauge where you are by by your conversation. Did you walk away from that conversation being ninety nine percent? Of jabbing the jaw? Or were you able to ask questions and engage and be a normal human? <laughs> Paul's call in his life, he, 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 he knew it was a privilege and he knew it was a gift. He refers to that gift as he says in uh, verse seven. This is a, it's, it's a gift given by God, the grace given to us. So this call that we have on our life, it's not at all anything that we've conjured up or, or that we're able to step into, it's what Christ is doing. It's divine. This call upon our life is divine. It's supernatural. And so it requires supernatural power, power that we do not have. Because again, it's the spirit that saves. It's the spirit that draws men unto himself. And so as if we see this call as a privilege and an honor, we submit to the leadings of the spirit. And we just daily, daily build relationships by loving we open up opportunities for the spirit to move in our lives. And we, and we ultimately yield to his power and what he's doing. I'm sure many of you even have stories of when you've actually been able to engage and lead someone to the Lord. It's generally because of a relationship that was built and a heart that's been softened and then you were used by the mighty hand of God to be an ambassador, to engage someone into eternity. That's an honor and a privilege. Amen? Paul understood that this was a privilege and it put it in perspective as he remembers often and follow along with me in verse 8 of Ephesians 3. He puts it in perspective as he says this. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. It's interesting. It's really interesting that Paul, with so many credentials, all his missionary journeys, a church planner, a disciple maker, yet he refers to himself as the least deserving of all God's people. Why is that? It's it's kind of funny that way. But what I found with Paul is it's really funny because there's often times where he's opposite of that. Take, for instance, like Romans chapter seven. We all know this, we're familiar with it. Paul says, and I know that nothing good lives in me That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I do not want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person that I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. And then in the very next chapter, Romans eight, he says, despite all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I've always tripped out on this one. First Corinthians 15, nine, he says, for I am the least of all apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. And yet in the very next verse, he says, but whatever I am now, it's because God poured out his special favor on me and not without result. For I've worked harder than any other apostle. Yet it is not me, but God who is working through me by his grace. See, it's kind of funny. It's like, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle, but I'm the hardest working apostle ever known to man. So now, either Paul was a schizo or he had a a real, healthy, balanced view of who he was. The balanced view of his call allowed him not to lose heart in the difficulties of the mission of God. That balanced view helped him to maintain the course of knowing, knowing who he was in the flesh and knowing who he was in the spirit. If you remember, I pointed that out just here in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1, he, he, he really lays out of who we are in Christ, our identity that we are chosen, accepted, and adopted into the beloved. And then in chapter 2, you, you were a people with no hope. You were dead. You were children of wrath. And so he gives us this balanced view of who we are and our call. The Bible in a whole kind of does that for us. Mindful of Psalm 103 14, it says this For who. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are but dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and then we die. The wind blows and then we're gone. As though we have never been here. We are but dust. And yet this same word of God would speak into our lives and say, No, you are the light of the world. You're ambassadors. You're called saints, a royal priesthood, more than conquerors. You see the balance? It's it's really wise for us to maintain this healthy balance as Paul did, remembering our foolishness but accepting the wisdom and grace of God. And I found that the problem often for us today as a church, we either disqualify ourselves from the mission of God or we pridefully overqualify ourselves. And we don't hold the right balance. We're either getting ahead of God or we're lagging behind. We either go the route of Eeyore, woe is me, pity party, we lag behind the mission of God, or we'd go the route of Tigger. Where we get ahead of the Lord, pridefully, overconfident, advancing without the Spirit of God. Remember Tigger, when, he, when, he, when they went into the forest and he just got so excited, so filled with zeal that he got lost. He was lost in that tree for like many pages. <laughs> and then you got Eeyore, oh, woe is me. So often in the church we, 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 we lean one way or the other. We're called to have a healthy balance in who we are. Not lagging behind or not getting ahead because neither are fruitful to the kingdom of God. Neither are fruitful to the call of Christ on our life. See, in my opinion, the gospel does not let our head get too fat or hang too low. It gives us a proper perspective that I'm undeserving and it's a privilege and an honor and yet I will move forward in loving others, building relationships, prepared to preach the gospel to anyone who the Spirit leads. Friends, remember, again, in context, Paul is in the hole of a prison. And he's not losing heart because he has a firm grasp on the call. He has a balanced view of who he is. And so none of these things, none of the situations move him I love that, that speech that he gives in Acts 20, 24 that even though persecution and difficulties await me, none of these things move me, but that I would move forward to the upward call of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The elbows that were coming his way, the shackles that were coming his way did not move him because he had a firm grasp of the call of Christ on his life, and a real healthy, balanced view that kept him enduring hardship. It kept him engaged in the call of Christ, because he knew that this was a call that was a privilege and an honor, and it was not deserving, and yet he would move continually. He was writing these letters from prison, seeking, That more would know. Friends. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. So many don't have a firm grasp of the call that Christ has for you. Life doesn't have to be mundane. Work tomorrow doesn't have to be uh, just whistle while you work. It's a harvest. Your neighbors are perishing. Build relationships, give opportunity for the Spirit to move that you might preach the gospel. It's not time to disqualify yourself because of your stupidities you got to get off your high horse be humbled be balanced reminded of a, a couple of weeks ago there was a gentleman that came forward for prayer he's just broken beyond belief because he had disqualified himself by living a life of partying and stuff like that. He shared this with me. And I was able to look, because it was, I believe, the Spirit of God. I was able to look him in the eye. Before praying for him, I said, son, you're like the prodigal today. In your repentance, you're coming home, and the Heavenly Father embraces you. And then I did what I, I love to do, and that is I began to remind him and, and I prayed it over him. That, that, that story that he was familiar with because he was, he was a PK. He was familiar with the story, but as I prayed it for him and reminded him, I said, listen, man. When that prodigal fell into the arms of the father, the father restored him. Father didn't look at him and say, "Where you been? I told you so. What were you thinking?" Father didn't do any of that. No. The father embraced him and kissed him, and then placed upon him the ring, which is is a sign of ownership. And then he called for his servants to get his his his. Uh, Sandals, which was a sign of a free man and then he called for his robe which he would place on him which was a sign of righteousness and what the, the, the father was doing there it was restoring the prodigal son reminding him that you are righteous before God that you are owned by God That you're not a slave to sin, but that you're a free man. And he restored him. And he partied and celebrated. And so who are you? Or who am I to disqualify us from the call of Christ because of our stupidity? Repentance puts us back into a position where we're used by the king of kings. And so as I prayed that for him he wept and then I began to weep and I'm almost weeping right now as I held that kid I held him as my own son and prayed those things over him and I could see that there was truly restoration. But interesting that in this story that we find that as I thought and upon this story it reminded me that this prodigal was unbalanced in his view of who he was according to the Father. You see, it was that Tigger mentality that said, hey, Pops, give me my stuff. Give me my goods. And in his pride, he went off and squandered it all. And then, in his Eeyore mentality, not even deserving to be a son no more, not even deserving to to be a slave, he would come back with that attitude. But what did the father do? He restored him back to that proper, balanced view of who he is in Christ. And that's what God is wanting to do this morning. To rekindle in us the call of Christ That there is a harvest and the workers are few. So we need to get our hands on the plow. Build relationships and love others. And so this morning as I close, I want to invite you to come forward. To pray. Maybe for you it's that you feel that you have... disqualified yourself because of your stupidity, I would say to you, repent and be like the prodigal and get back in the race. Maybe some of you need to repent of your arrogance and stupidity. Come forward, pray. And for the rest of us, I would say this. The Spirit is wanting to fall upon us to rekindle this scent of sentness this call the prayer team up here is equipped with oil symbolizing the spirit of God let's lay hands on each other for this anointing to fall upon us with a clear view of the call of Christ and let us go forward for the kingdom of God is at hand and God is wanting to move in the coastlands amen Amen. are you Willing to submit to this privilege, to this honor, to this call. If so, let's do. Let's submit. Let's move. Jesus, thank you for this morning. We're blessed and honored to gather in your name. And in this gathering, Lord, we would ask... For your spirit to fall heavy upon us, that we would be a people who live according to the gospel. We would be a people who would please our Heavenly Father in all that we do. Lord, come, anoint us for this call. Give us the proper perspective. Balance us rightly. We're honored this morning. We love you, King Jesus. We desire your heavy hand upon us to guide, lead, and direct us. In this call, we pray in your name. Amen.